Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is your host, Scott Cantrell. Um, really excited to be uh, joined by someone that I just met. I Actually, I think we had our first conversation maybe last week or the week prior. And as soon as we talked, I was like, I've got to get you on the podcast. And she was kind enough to carve out some time soon after our first conversation to record this interview. I'm really, really excited to introduce to everyone out there Renee Latour. She's a business systems improvement strategist, a freedom evangelist, which I absolutely love. And she works with solopreneurs to help them become world travelers by optimizing their business and having it set on autopilot. So if you've ever wanted to free up more time and truly make your business a lifestyle business, or at least empower yourself with the choice of deciding what you do with this extra time that you freed up, then you definitely want to pay very close attention and get out your pen and paper to start taking notes today. Uh, Renee Latour, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Scott. That was an awesome intro. <laughs> I'll have to re- reuse that and recreate it. Uh, yeah, so so happy to be here with you today. Excellent. Excited yeah. to get started. Yeah, let's let's jump in. And so uh, the place to begin, of course, is to let everyone know kind of your background. I know you're from Arizona, but right now, as we're recording this, you're in Cape Town, South Africa, and I think you've been traveling the last three years. So how did how did you start from Arizona to developing your business or businesses to now you're traveling the world for for three years? Yeah. So I'll try to make it brief <laughs> because it's not a linear, sure. uh, linear adventure, right? Yeah. So I I decided to quit my my nine to five um, back in towards the end of 2016, and really had no idea what I was going to do. I ended up joining my partner, uh, life partner in crime, um, in his business, and had no experience being an entrepreneur. I had no experience really in sales. I was working in local government mm-hmm. for ten years. So I thought to myself, I was super green. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And it was exciting. You know, it was exciting, but you know, of course I made mistakes and it was hard and it was tough. And I had, I had my struggles, but one thing I now know in retrospect that I did bring to my entrepreneurial journey are all of the processes and systems and procedures, because that is what I did for 10 years in local government. So I brought that skill set to my entrepreneurial journey as my partner and I were building this business. It was a an equipment finance business. So we basically give loans to small businesses back in the US. And um, I originally didn't. So now we're talking back like early 2017. I had no idea what a remote lifestyle was or what a digital nomad is. Or, you know, I knew what a nomad is, like a vagabond or a hobo. You know, <laughs> right. that, that didn't really um, sound attractive to me, you know, right. like anyone else. I, <laughs> I loved uh, going on vacation and I loved going to Cabo or, or, you know, Mexico and stuff. Yeah, that's fun and exciting and, you know, go to the beach and all that good stuff. But I never thought about actually like living, you know, overseas for a long sure. period of time. You know, and I actually, I loved living in in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's a really Mm -hmm. beautiful city and it's nice, but the summers are not so nice. That's correct. They're quite sweltering. Yes. Yeah. So I would never suggest to go, you know, to to Scottsdale, at least not Scottsdale, Phoenix area, um, anytime in the summer. So one summer we happened to be in Europe and the time zone is crazy different. And we had to still run our business because as you know, as a small business owner, it's not like when you're at your nine to five where you could just take that two week vacation. Uh, someone needs sure. to do the work. <laughs> That's right. Right. So, you know, unless you have, you know, unless you have it all set up and ready to go, which we were, you know, we were in the early stages of the business, we didn't necessarily have that. So we were still working overseas. 
Um, and we realized in that trip to Europe that we could do this anywhere. We just had to make some tweaks um, because we were still, you know, the time zone difference, we were still up late, you know, talking to clients, trying to get things done. Um, so we knew, hey, we can just do a couple, you know, make a couple tweaks to the business, but we could actually run this business from anywhere. And so we started thinking differently that trip because um, it was it was like four or five weeks long. So it was pretty, it was a pretty long trip. And so it made us realize how we could really run this business from anywhere and we didn't need to be in the States uh, per se. So that was kind of got, you know, it kind of got the wheels turning. And then that next summer we planned, okay, you know, we're in Arizona. Well, we can go somewhere for three months and let's just drive to San Diego. (laughs) Like that's not, you know, that's not that scary. You know, you kind of start small, you know, it's a good suggestion to kind of start small. So we just started in San Diego. And so we um, packed, we had, we had cars still at that point um, and actually stopped my house. I was running my house out. And so um, we still had a lot of possessions, a lot of physical mm-hmm. possessions. And so we drove to San Diego. We spent the summer there. And I remember bringing my printer. And this was back, what was this now? 2018. Yeah. So in 2018, I brought my printer all the way to San Diego. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was like, I'm going to have to print checks. I'm going to have to like print things. And I didn't use it once. Um, and I was <laughs> able to, <laughs> but you know, it, it was like, it was like my security blanket. Exactly. You had it. Right. <laughs> And so, um, yeah, so just that experience, like, even though it was only a six hour drive away, it it kind of built that comfort of like, yeah, I don't need to be home. We don't need to be at the office. We don't need to, you know, um, we can work, you know, work from home and work remotely and it really not affect our business and our level of customer service that we're giving our customers and our clients. Like we wanted to keep that level of customer service you know, to the sure. high, highest degree. We didn't want that to, to lack at all. Yep. Um, so that was basically the start of the journey. And we had to get rid of a lot of our stuff um, because when you're traveling full time, you know, this was just kind of the summer and then we went back home and we just thought, well, why don't we just live anywhere? Like, why can't we live in Europe? And why can't we live in Asia and now Africa? And like, why not check out the rest of the world if we can run this business from anywhere? Um, you know, the, the world's our oyster. And so that kind of opened uh, opened our minds and opened, opened um, yeah, opened our minds that we can basically do this anywhere. And that was like the beginning. And then we just had to, as we went, you know, get it tighter and tighter and tighter. And that's where I really became obsessed about systems. And as I've, you know, built this business with my partner and we run it remotely. And when I first started in the business, I was only working a few hours a day, to be honest with you, because I just made the decision when I quit my left, my nine to five, that I wasn't going to be working my life away. Like right. I, when I quit, I, 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 I decided like, I'm never going to work, you know, more than four to five hours a day. So I know with that mind shift, a lot of people are like, Whoa, four to five hours a day. That's crazy. You know, I'm working 12 hours on my business or whatever it might be. And for me, I felt like I, I don't want to wait till retirement to have my freedom, you know, yeah. to, to live the life that I want. I want to live that life now, even if that means that my progress in, in my business is going to be a little slower. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about it is I actually, because I turned that on its head, um, I was forcing myself to be more productive, yeah. forcing myself to, um, to be more niched to not waste my time on bad clients, on, on customers, you know, chasing customers down. And, you know, I didn't because I only had those few hours per day. Um, and I kind of forced myself 
to be really efficient with that. And that's where I brought in like, okay, we need to put systems in place so that we can start delegating these things. We need to automate as much as we can. And that's, you know, where everything kind of started blending together. And I started becoming even more and more efficient to where now, you know, that business runs with just a few hours a week. And then that kind of dovetailed into my consulting business where I'm helping other entrepreneurs do it. Because as I talk to people, you know, networking events or online and they're like, wait, what? You know, you're, you're in South Africa, you're um, you 10 hours ahead of us back home. How are you doing this? How is your business mm-hmm. still running? And that's where I really, really got passionate about sharing everything that I've done with people. And then also working with business owners that have different types of businesses um, and maybe their their systems look a little different, sure. but a lot of the the core is still the same. And um, it's just been so fun helping other businesses kind of do the same thing. Yeah, it, it's a it's really phenomenal. And of course, you know, um, if if the listeners and viewers are like me, which most of them are, right? We're all independent um, consultants and executive coaches, work business to business. You know, we read stories about people like you on the internet and we're like, Oh, I could never, or that wouldn't work for my business. Uh, or, you know, we'll see the, uh, the video of someone like you recording, you can do it. This is, you know, da, da, da. and it's like, Oh, whatever. That's pie in the sky. No way. I couldn't travel, you know, that much or be away. And, and again, this, this point that I want to drive home to everyone is what you're allowing your clients who are consultants, what you're allowing them to do and empowering them to do is, is, is this, whatever they want. <laughs> You're empowering them to do whatever they want. If that is travel, then they can, they can work from anywhere, right? And you can help them design their business so they, they can. But if they want to do something else in their hometown or, you know, just relax for a little, the point is you're creating the, you're creating freedom. You're creating autonomy in terms of lifestyle and people can use that lifestyle however they want. I am very, very interested in diving into this model uh, a little bit deeper and how you, how you both think about this idea of working from anywhere and how you think about what a system can be and should be for an independent consultant like us, because you said something really important. You said that even as a business owner in, in the world that we operate in, it's not like we can just ignore the business and everything be okay. We we can't do that. We have to we have to manage it and monitor it. I think what you've been able to do is is to figure out a, a way to develop processes and systems that allow for maximum effectiveness. Yes, but efficiency in terms of time. So what what might normally take someone like me 10, 10, 8, 10, 12 hours, you can do in three, four, five hours. Uh, and therefore, right, this this delta of time is now is now free. Maybe talk a little bit about how you turn eight to ten to twelve hours of of traditional status quo work into four or five hours of hyper efficient work. What what are some of the key thought processes and steps that someone like me should be thinking about or taking in order uh, in order in order to free up free up that time? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's where I love to start with everybody because there's two pieces of it. And I know you're not expecting this, but it's very, very simple. <laughs> so simple is good. Is, simple is good. Yeah, simple is great. Um, the first, and I hate overcomplicating things. I mean, the internet's full of overcomplicating everything yeah. because 
you know, that sells tickets that makes a lot of money, but it's really not that complicated, but it does. One thing I do like to always um, remind people is it takes time. Like I said, I started with baby steps. I brought my freaking printer to San Diego. Like what was I thinking? You know? Um, So, so when people tell the story about like, Hey, I just packed my bag, sold all my stuff and just went overseas. And like, I've been that person and I've been on the phone with a client at 3am in Thailand and it's not fun. It's no way to live. And for me, Maybe that's some people's uh, definition of freedom, but for me, it isn't. Yeah. So I do right. want to say, you know, I've been there, done that, and I've and I've had the struggles, and I've been in those pitfalls as well. Um, but to get started again, going back to freedom is defined differently by everyone, mm. right? So the the first step is your mindset and reminding yourself what's important to you, what is important to me, what do I value. What is my definition of freedom? Like, I know I want freedom. And these people talk about their definitions of freedom. What is yours? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and to be clear about that. And like I said, you know, when I quit my nine to five, that was kind of like a pivotal moment for me deciding I'm done. You know, I'm not, you know, I have 20 years of this, you know, I really wanting to work for the weekend and only have a few hours in the evening for myself. Right. Like, do I really want the next 20 years to be that way? And I had to have that you know, reckoning with myself. And I think we've all done, you know, if you've, if you've had a nine to five in the past and you left it, you've had that pivotal moment. And then I think uh, maybe the next pivotal moment or one of the next pivotal moments for business owners is having that same reckoning, but with their own business, you know, like realizing crap, I'm the bottleneck here. I'm the problem. You know, I I've created this beast of a business and I'm doing things and I'm trying to do everything. And I'm, you know, I'm chasing all the next shiny objects. But if you have to, you know, every time you're presenting with a new software program or a new course or a new, even a new consultant, or, you know, ask yourself, is this person, is this product, is this tool or, or, you know, SaaS, you know, it it could even be software. Is it aligned with what's important to me? Is it in alignment with my values? Is it in alignment with, with creating freedom in my life? Because that's really what we're doing. We're trying to have a freer life and we want a life of choice and make the choices that are important to you. And so that's the number one key. Excellent. Long story, long story long. So the second is, is, is being, being your efficient self in that manner. So they, they really go together and there's a lot of, I guess, hacks, but really this is the simplest way that I found. And most of my inspiration has been from two books. One is the four hour work week. And it's like, it's like, it's, you know, it's old. What is it now? Maybe 15 years old already. And I see, I see tools of Titan back there on your bookshelf. (laughs) Four hour is, uh, where is it? Right there yellow or orange yeah. yeah yeah so so i know you've read it so so a lot of inspiration from that because it really is that simple when it comes to automating delegating and eliminating because you should yeah. only be working on the things that are moving the needle in your business and then the second is traction i'm not like a huge fan of the book itself per se yeah. but i do love the eos model yeah. and that's the the entrepreneurs um, operating operating system yeah. and i love that model because it's really a simple way to to audit your business you know whether it's just you that's why i love working with solopreneurs because a lot of times as a solopreneur as a solopreneur we think that the only next step to minimizing the time we're working in our business is by hiring other people. And right. oh, we have to have all of these employees and we have to have all this capital and we have to go get funding. But I like to challenge that system by saying, what if you actually 
supported other entrepreneurs and you actually leveraged the gig economy? Mm-hmm. What if you actually leveraged all the automation tools that actually weren't even around in 2017? Like in the yeah. last couple of years, it's just exploded with how many tools you can use. When you set them up on the front end, they will just do wonders in your business, you know, long-term. So those are really just the two cases, like your mindset and knowing what's important to you. What does freedom mean to you? And then the second, auditing your auditing your whole business, like be able to sit down with yourself honestly and say, okay, where am I the bottleneck in all of this? What can I automate? What can I eliminate? What can I delegate? Because a lot of people are spending a lot of time doing things that aren't moving the needle because they think that they should, or I ought to, or someone, you know, this expert or guru said, I need to do this. So I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm, I'm taking notes and I've already had to turn the page. So that's, <laughs> I'm scribbling as fast as I can. Um, but what I just I told you, I'm a say, talker. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> what I just heard you say is something that just sort of uh, hit me in the head, uh, right between the eyes. And that is stop spending time on things that aren't moving the needle. Um, and, and that's personally stop spending your personal time on things that aren't, that aren't, that you don't have to do things that you could automate, delegate, uh, or ideally eliminate potentially. Um, I think that's fantastic. So, uh, one of the, you know, this goes back to your mindset. So the, these two key components, what is your mindset um, defining what freedom means to you? And then where, what are your priorities, right? All those, those three things are sort of come together in that first key component of being able to achieve this level of freedom that, that you help people achieve. The second one being the blocking and tackling, right? Getting real with a business audit, and then answering the questions, what can you automate? What can you delegate? What can you eliminate? And the other thing too, that you prefaced all of that with, which I think is really, really important. And that is that this does not happen overnight. This result does not happen overnight. It happens over time. And, and I think so many of us fall into uh, what I call SOS, which you referred to shiny object syndrome about uh, even about time management, right? Freeing up an hour here, freeing up an hour there. And we're, we're dotting around and we're putting band-aids on broken arms, right? Um, we're just trying to patch up, patch up the problem, but we're not really, or deal with the symptom, but we're not really going to the source of the issue. And that's what you're talking about is really getting underneath it all, understanding what freedom means to you, being very clear on your priorities, and then only paying attention and only taking action on the things that are in alignment with that. Of course, easier said than done, which is why, you know, it's so valuable to work with someone like you if if those are goals that you really want to achieve. But going back to this in terms of the blocking and tackling piece, uh, assuming someone's got generally the right mindset, they understand priorities and freedom. I know that one of the things that gets in my way is from an automation delegation and elimination standpoint is I even if I know someone can do it and this is egoic, right? So there's ego here, but I feel like oh, well, if I'm going to give my clients optimal service, then I've got to be the one that does it. But I'd like you to talk a little about the gig economy and how you're leveraging that. And and the, because we talked about this some on our previous call, the sheer massive size of the universe of individuals who are incredibly talented and skillful that are available at our fingertips that we oftentimes either ignore or we just don't know about. Maybe can you can speak to that, tapping into it and um, you know, building out the right uh, team around you in terms of the gig economy. Yeah, for sure. Because I've definitely made mistakes uh, with the gig economy as well. Because I want to make sure I don't want to um, 
paint some beautiful picture. Like it's so easy. And, you know, I, I, sure. I just get yeah. really annoyed when people are like, just go on fiber, easy peasy. And I'm just like, <laughs> That's oh, true. hold up, not, not hold quite up that a simple. second here. Yeah. No. So some of the biggest things to keep in mind is make sure that you're very clear. What are you wanting help? Or I know you probably don't want it, but we need or want the help with. And, and instead of um, having like a task, think about it as a role. And this is where the mm. EOS system comes into play is like, think about that as like a seat at a table. Like if you're in a boardroom, because again, as a solopreneur and some, and some of us might have a team member or two, but think about yourself. Um, having a meeting at a board, a, a productive meeting at a boardroom, and you have a couple seats around you, and think about those people as your teammates, and think about them actually having a role and not just a task. Mm. And then, because then it start you start having this mindset of like, okay, all my marketing efforts can kind of be in one basket. Even if me and the the freelancer share those tasks, I can actually see them as a team member, as someone who's part of my my business, my organization. So you need to start thinking bigger than, oh, it's just me, you know, I'm just just me and my one person consulting business. Think bigger and, and give that person an actual role because it'll help you start establishing um, the clarity that you need to give that person. Like, this is what I want you to do. This is exactly what I need help with. This is my, this is, you need to communicate with them what your vision is Mm -hmm. for your, for your business, like who you're trying to attract, what the ideal client is. I'm just kind of giving you an example in the marketing world. Um, Like for example, myself, you know, I have a a small, it's just me, you know, Um, but I have a person helping me with social media. And in my mind, that is my social media manager. I'm not saying, oh, it's just some freelancer that I hired on Upwork. No, she's actually part of my team. And I have clearly communicated with her um, what, what I offer, what my vision is, what I'm trying to do, what my purpose is being on, you know, XYZ platform, who my ideal client is and communicating all that with her instead of just saying, Hey, um, I just want to grow my, my Instagram account. Here you go. Take it and and go with it. So I've made that mistake and it's a mistake. You're going to waste a lot of money because the person is just going, you know, what do you expect? You know, they're just going to be flying blind um, and you haven't done your job as the leader to treat them like a, a seat at that table in that boardroom, instead of just some random person across the world, you know, on, on Upwork. So you kind of have to bring that humanistic element into it. And you have to remind yourself, you know, I'm the leader and I'm sitting at this boardroom and these are people in my team, even if they're, you know, obviously they're going to be remote. They're going to be um, working in a different country. They're going to be um, quitting all the time, you know, because they're just like, Oh, I don't do this anymore. Or, oh, I got a full-time job or whatever it might be. Yeah. But if you saw them in the beginning as a role, then that would also kind of help you change your mindset about setting standard operating procedures for that role, mm-hmm. having procedures in place for that role. And when you're starting out hiring somebody via Fiverr, via Upwork, you know, via the gig economy, they can help you start establishing that. So you don't have to, it's like a lot of people think, oh, I have to put all of the SOPs up, you know, up right. front. I have to get all those in place. I do suggest starting, you know, starting to document what you're doing with all of the things that you think, okay, I need to delegate this to someone else. Um, But the bigger piece of it is, is when you start treating that person like a team member, like an actual person, then you can start establishing some of those standard operating procedures together. And you know, you're no longer, you know, kind of um, a lone wolf, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's excellent. And so to that end, this this simple premise is incredibly helpful to me because historically and traditionally, I have leveraged the gig economy, but it has been this person for this specific task. I have thought of it in in terms of a task-oriented solution as opposed to a uh, a role oriented solution. So that one shift is, I think, really, really important, at least for me. And I suspect for uh, a lot of the listeners and viewers, when you're obviously, like you said, it's not as simple as going to a gig site, like an Upwork or a Fiverr and just saying, oh, there's somebody that does that. They're going to be the person. It's not, not that simple. So what is some, some of your process in terms of how do you identify the right person for that role? What are the types of things that you're looking for? And obviously, you want someone who has expertise in whatever area you're talking about, but but there's lots of those people. So how do you start to filter and weed them out? What types of conversations do you have? What does that sort of that part of the process look like in terms of selection of that uh, individual? Yeah, no, that's a great question, and it's a little loaded because it depends on what you're trying to fill, right? Like a social media manager is different than someone who's on our operations team yeah. with our finance company because they're definitely two different roles and right. different level of um, of you know professionalism and what I'm requiring of them and all of that. So, uh, so let me instead because all those roles can look differently. So, if you have mm-hmm. a listener who's thinking about, okay, I, I know what I want to start with as far as delegating and, and going to the gig economy. I want to share some tips because these are the simple things that you can start doing Fantastic. right away. Yeah. Um, so, one thing is like when you're going onto the site, like say Upwork. Um, when you go to the site and you're kind of just searching around before you go on there and you just try to create a, a, a job posting just from scratch. Instead, go on there and search for freelancers. So before you start writing up like what the job needs to include and all of that good stuff, first go and look on there and see what are the who are the freelancers, kind of what are they doing, look through their reviews. And then what you can do once you go to some of those um, freelancers uh, profiles mm-hmm. is you can see their previous jobs. Right. And then go to those previous jobs and copy their job. (laughs) Especially the ones that turned out well, right? Yeah. Exactly. So you can see everything on there. You can see it's a five star. You can see how much they paid. Um, You can see everything. So if it's kind of lining up with what your budget is and, uh, you know, kind of what you're looking for, use that. So you're not starting from scratch. So that's kind of a little hack, but to save you time for sure. And so copy that job description. And one thing I do, I always do this with every um, job posting that I ever do is put a a secret word in there, like a little silly, like sometimes I'll put like applesauce. So put, put it towards the end of the job description or in the middle of the job description and put, um, Hey, I only hire people who read their job descriptions, include the word applesauce in your response. So then that way it weeds out a lot of people because there's a boatload of people on there and they just go and pepper their, their, you know, their responses and their resumes to every job listing. And you you can just eliminate those people right away because you want someone who's going to read your job description. That's, I mean, that's such a simple thing, but that's, that's a, that's definitely a ninja trick. So yeah, that's a fantastic idea. And it'll save you time because before I even, I want to get into like what you, what you want to be looking out for when you do start reviewing those, Mm -hmm. um, those responses and those resumes. 
I want to eliminate those bad apples from the beginning. <laughs> so yeah. That's, yeah. You know, so you, you want to make sure you're super, super clear in your job description. And that's why you should just copy someone else's, especially you can actually see on Upwork, the, um, the people who are hiring on Upwork and how many other job descriptions they have and how many other jobs. So you can just copy someone who has actually been in the game longer yeah. and you can kind of see, you know, how they, you know, some people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars via Upwork. There's big business and big companies on there. So you can really just save so much time doing that. Um, and then once you actually get those people in and you want to review, you know, yeah. if they're going to be a good fit for you or not, what you want to make sure you do on your end, because you want to control everything that you're able to control, be very clear about who you are, you know, what you're offering. So if you're a consultant and, and you want to, you want to have someone, for example, do your social media, or you're going to have them do some admin for you or some sales calls or whatever, be very, very clear. What type of consultant are you? Who's your ideal client? Make sure that they have experience in your, um, in your industry. So if you're going after coaches, you want to have someone who maybe has experience talking to coaches or working with coaches and kind of in that world. Um, so then you can kind of, uh, speed past having to train them up or explain to them, you know, what you do, they're kind of already in that world and they're kind of seasoned and also can help you like bring you a point of view, like, Oh, I never thought about doing it that way. And they can share what some of their clients have done in the past. So they can actually help you almost like a mini consult consultation for you. (laughs) So yeah, those are just some, those are some easy ones. Like really you can use that for any job that you're hiring for. Yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. I mean, those are, I mean, it's incredibly practical, very actionable and simple, simple ideas that I can understand why they would be so effective. Um, So moving a step further, one of the things that you talked about was developing systems and processes. And we understand that this is obviously an evolution. Um, You know, your systems and processes are not going to start out as perfect and super tight. They're going to hopefully tighten up along the way and and they'll probably never be perfect, but they'll be, you know, ultimately get to uh, serve the job that you need them to serve. What is your any any recommendations or thoughts about how someone can take the work that they're doing on their own, whether it be around you know, business development, social media management, or admin work, or those types of things, if they don't have any current SOPs for themselves, and they're saying, you know, I'm drowning in all this work, I don't even know where to start. Um, what would you recommend in terms of either, are there specific systems they should look to unload first within their business, whether it's admin or marketing, or there are certain ones that maybe get a higher priority? Um, or uh, do you have any notes or suggestions for how they can think about creating an SOP or a system if they're starting, you know, with a blank page from scratch? Yeah. So uh, let me try to answer two, and I hope I don't get off track here. All good. All <laughs> so good. The, so the first is think about. Um, do think about risk because I know it's something that's already in the background anyways. So just bring it to the forefront. So think to yourself, okay, what's maybe like the least risky thing I can offload? Because a yeah. lot of entrepreneurs, they just like, they treat their business like a little baby. And what I tried, to, what I'm trying to um, help with is instead of your business being a baby, let's, let's get that thing running like an asset, you know, let's get you out of there and kind of stop, you know, coddling your business. Um, and to do that, you want to start with the risky things first kind of like as if it was your kid, you know, you're not just going to be like, Oh yeah, here's a nanny. And you just hand over your kid. You're going to be like, well, maybe we should kind of go on a play date, you know, let's kind of ease in and see if it's a good fit. So think about the least riskier things, or if it's a role, again, going back to that concept of Mm -hmm. like, you know, being at a boardroom with these people think about, okay, let's, let's kind of do some, um, some test runs. So think about if it's, um, sale, uh, maybe it's, 
you can give me an example, but maybe marketing. I keep feel like I feel like I keep going back to marketing, but you it's can give one. me an example. Yeah. That, okay. So say it was marketing for you. Um, and say it was uh, social media. Well, I'm not just going to be like, hey, here's all, here's what I want to do on social media. Start creating the content, write the captions, you know, da, 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 you know do the hashtags. Let's just start with um, doing the engagement. Here's here's the accounts that we should be engaging with. Mm-hmm. Um, here's here's why. Again, going back to like communicating everything. Yeah. Um, here's why these accounts in this way, you know, X, Y, and the other. But see how they do. You know, kind of let them. You know, start doing that first. Um, and then you can build out from there because you're also, you're, you're seeing if this person's going to be a good fit for you, but you're also getting yourself comfortable mm-hmm. kind of like, as if it was a nanny for your kid, like, do I like this person? Is the vibrant, is this something I should be delegating? Oh, maybe it's something I shouldn't. Maybe it's something that I actually do want to do on my own. Um, so it's just kind of building that comfort level. So just start with a really, really small, low risk task and then build out from there. Yeah. And then to your second question about how to start setting up standard operating procedures and systems because it's never too early. Once you have a system in place and you say, yeah, this is working. This is something that works. This is something I keep doing again and again and again. That is your cue to, this is the simplest way to do it. From my opinion, record your screen. Because most of what you're doing is online, just record your screen. So yeah. I use Vimeo. I, mm-hmm. I pay for a, a subscription. So I don't know. I can't speak to the free one because the subscription is pretty cheap. It's like 80 bucks for, for the year. But there's a yeah. ton out there. You can, you know, there's a ton of screen recordings out there. I just click it. It's on my Chrome extension. I click it and I let, I let it just record. I don't try, you know, even if it's for you, you're not used to maybe teaching. So you might not be talking through it all the way. Um, just that's getting you started with creating those SOPs. And then I have all of the videos and folders. And then from there, you can start getting fancier. You can start having the Google doc. You can start doing things that that accompany that video, but video is just going to be the easiest way for you. And also the easiest for your person who you're bringing on board for them to learn videos is just the easiest way for them to learn. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. And that's one of those things where it's like, well, of course, <laughs> but, but again, I know. it's easy to drown in these questions, right? It's, and, and it's, it's not the type of work um, that, most of us, right? The independent consultant world, it's not the type of work that we want to do. Maybe, perhaps accepting those folks who that is their work, that's their expertise, right? Is operations and building SOPs for their clients, in which case, you know, they may kind of have this, this aspect down. Uh, but even in those examples, sometimes it's easier to preach than practice uh, in your own business. So uh, that's fantastic. I want to go back to um, uh, something that we talked about on our previous call, because this this kind of just warped my brain a little bit. I totally get, uh, at least conceptually, how you could be a consultant and work with other consultants and work from anywhere uh, and do that business, uh, you know, in, in a few hours a day and be be successful, especially, you know, us having the conversation we've already had. But what really warped my brain in our last conversation was this is not your only business. Uh, you have multiple businesses that you're operating and running. So maybe just briefly touch on that that catalog of businesses. And then what I'd love to hear is <laughs> like, I get how you could do this with one business and be successful, but multiple businesses, it's like, okay, that's starting to really uh, push the limits of, of conception here. So maybe talk a little about how that happens, how, how you are able to manage uh, these different businesses. So what are they and how does that, how do they, uh, get managed. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, and then we'll go back to the caveat that the first business I'll talk about has been around since 2016. So yeah, tw- I'm sorry, 20, the, the later part of 2015, I okay. think time flies. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, right. So it's been does. around so- so for quite some time so it wasn't efficient in the beginning right understood like if yes we, if we kept you know operating that business as is i probably wouldn't be here in south africa yeah right. I'd, be, I'd be back in scottsdale so um again same thing that i help other people with starting with the low-hanging fruit kind of like the obvious things like yeah let's invest a little time on the front end to get these things automated um and then only with practice and um, experience do you start realizing okay these are the needle movers and these are things that need to be eliminated and then in that practice also you continue to have that focus like no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna veer off i'm not gonna lose my focus i'm gonna stay on what's working you know and do you know it's not like you never introduce new things or new concepts and new ideas of course you're going to move move with the times um, but you're, you're focused and you want to make sure that everything is in alignment, going back to alignment with what you, what you want in life. You know, there's really no separation. I know like we like to think, you know, life and business, it's the same. If you're an entrepreneur, there's no separation. Uh, so, so that, so, so that's kind of the first business. And I wouldn't start another business until that was going, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, I'm working, you know, eight, uh, six, eight hours a day on this business. Yeah. Let me introduce another business. That's just. <laughs> yeah. Silly, right? right? So it wasn't in, it wasn't until um um let's see, I was in Malaysia la- yeah, last year I was in Malaysia and I'm waking up to funding notices. I'm waking up to business being done while I sleep. I'm waking up to like, hey, this got done. Yep, the, ver- the verbal is complete. This is funded. Money's in your account and you're you're in bed sleeping because yep. I really had no choice. If I wanted this lifestyle and I wanted to run this business anywhere, I'm not going to sacrifice my sleep. That's not freedom to me, you know, being right. up at 3 a.m. Exactly. So when I had, you know, when I had the operations team handling it, because I, I did the legwork, I put the SOPs in place. I, um, I made sure that, you know, I communicated clearly and again, hiring freelancers, um, to do this for me, to help me, because I feel like I'm helping them as entrepreneurs. That's why I, I have like a sweet, sweet spot <laughs> for freelancers versus employees, but it could be either, uh, it could be either one really. Um, and then when that kind of opened up and I'm working less and less hours on the business, that's where, we, my partner and I started getting serious about teaching other people how to run their own business, their own finance business. And that's where the second business came into play. And that was teaching people how to have their own brokerage. So if you are maybe an entrepreneur by spirit or you're an entrepreneur looking for a different type of business, um, we also help people who are already in the industry, but they're, they want to be niched in equipment financing. Mm-hmm. Um, then we basically teach them. So we have a whole course. We put the whole course together. Again, we had the time because that first business was leveraged. Yeah. So once we had that on autopilot, then we can move on to the next business. So that is the education business where we mentor students. So again, now this business, my partner is spending a little more time than I am. He's basically heading that up. Um, and I, we, we spend an hour a week on mentorship calls. Um, and then we kind of just here and there have to fix things maybe with the course um, or some, some changes with the marketing approach, but really it's, it's set on autopilot. So, you know, he's kind of in charge of that. And then that's kind of where the consulting business came in because again, I'm like, I have this free time and some people might think, Oh, it's so great, you know, retire early and have all this extra time, but it gets boring. You know, you want to do something with your time. Yeah. 
yeah, like there's, I don't know what the attraction is to like the whole, you know, fire movement, you know, yeah, <laughs> the financial independence for try early. I don't, I don't understand it for me personally. Uh, I have to have work. I have to have challenge. And so this is my new challenge here in 2021, almost 2022 is um, how can I help other entrepreneurs, you know, coaches, consultants, brokers, people who, you know, aren't already in our education program, having their own brokerage, but yeah. want to leverage their business, want to have these systems in place. So I step in that role as the consultant, as kind of like a COO role, um, you know, on their team, kind of at that board meeting and help them do that. So yeah, to answer your question, it's, it's not like I'm trying to do, you know, all three things at once. It's like, okay, we get one baby leveraged and then we get the next, you know, baby leveraged. And then now it's like, okay, this is the third baby. <laughs> well, you know what, you're, you're using this uh, family metaphor, but I think it's really accurate because, you know, you think about as kids get older, they get more responsibility and they get more freedom on their own. And the parents are always parents, right? It's always their baby. It's always their, their child. But at the same time, they know that that, that, that person, that, that child is becoming more of an individual, more able to take care of themselves and ultimately, you know, leaves the house and go lives their own life and hopefully has, you know, has prosperity and success on their own. And yes, the parents always tethered to that individual. It's not like we're, we're cutting it off. Um, and that's what I'm hearing you. It's like when the, as the business is able to uh, accommodate and perform for itself, <laughs> be more responsible for itself without you, the parent having to be involved, then the better. Uh, and, and you don't, exactly. you don't necessarily, uh, you know, the family metaphor may break down if someone has triplets, but uh, you know, twins or triplets <laughs> or something, but, but um, uh, you don't necessarily try to do that with multiple businesses at the same time, right? You get one to a point and then the next one can begin and so forth. Um, one of the questions that has been, uh, I've been thinking about since our last conversation, I want to be sure and ask it as we're coming up on time here. Can you describe uh, a day in an average day in your life? I'm sure you get this question a lot um, because of what you do and, and where you are. But, and obviously I know it's different depending on what your focus is on, on that given day, but on average, what is a, what's a standard day and how, how do the, how does the time zone piece affect the management of the business? Maybe kind of work that into your, your answer if you would. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you can imagine, it depends on where I am in the world. Of course. Yeah. Um, so I re actually, it's been a while since I've, and since I've answered this question, I remember the last time I answered it, I was in Malaysia and my answer was, you know, I have my, my morning routine, uh, which actually starts the night before. That's one thing. Like people think like, oh, I have to wake up at 5am. I have to be in this, whatever 5am club. And I'm like, no, you just have to have a bedtime because you have to make sure, you, you know, I sleep is very important <laughs> yeah. to me personally. Yeah. So I'm like, I have to make sure I get my eight hours. Otherwise, like I'm no good to anybody. And so that starts at the night before, but then in Malaysia, I would, do my morning routine. I still, I always wanted to respect my time. Like if whatever I wanted to do in the morning for me, for my, my, my health and my, my wellness is so important to me. I made sure I did that. Yep. And then I got to work because of the time zone that was, I had uh, what was it maybe like, yeah, it was like an hour block. If I'm recalling, it was like seven to 8 AM my time mm -hmm. where I wanted to make sure I was catching up on email, see how everything's mm -hmm. going. Are we moving everything along with every deal? Um, and kind of make sure on it because it was back home. It was afternoon. So I could kind of catch the, you know, four to five in the afternoon if right. it was my time in the morning. So I had that, you know, that time. So now being in South Africa, now it's the evening. Right. So, so the great thing about this is because how I'm designing 
the consulting business is what's working for me currently, because I, I do love experimenting with different ways to go about it. And sometimes I get bored. So what's working for me now is what's called winning before noon. And so I think of what's important now and I don't do any focus work afternoon. So I have to be disciplined with myself because when you're, when you're living nomadically and you're traveling about, you want to check out these new places. Like, Oh my God, I've never been to South Africa. I want to go explore and do all this, but I still, I still um, need to serve my clients. I still need to do things, right. I still need to do the, the work piece of my life. And so for me, the wind before noon, I've been doing it now for about six months has been working great for me um, because I, I have to have that discipline. Otherwise I will get like locked in and I'll be working all day. And it's just like, yeah. wait, that's not what I sign up for. So I have to check myself all the time as well, because, and, and you kind of, you can procrastinate and then one day you're working 12 hours. And yeah. that to me, that's not what I wanted as far as, you know, my health, my health and my happiness and my idea of freedom. So the winning before noon is what my typical morning looks like. So I still, I have my workout. I have my mm-hmm. meditation if I want to do it or not. Um, I have my coffee. I go down to a coffee shop. I just walk down, grab my coffee and come back home. And then I have my focus work. Yep. So what I'm working on that, it's one thing. And if I do anything extra, then that's a bonus. Um, but my one thing I set the night before, because if I wake up in the morning, you know, I don't know if other, maybe your listeners have this problem, but I wake up in the morning as a solopreneur and I think about what am I going to do today? Oh my gosh. The day will just go haywire. Right. Like, yeah. No, I think that's really important. <laughs> and that's one of the things that, that I've started doing too. Uh, this company that I'm in now is only two years old. And so, um, and this was a practice I was doing in the previous company before I exited. And it was very, very important to get clarity on the next day, at least the day before. Um, and it doesn't mean that life doesn't get in the way and that, you know, you kind of got to deal with things if, if something happens, right. You just got to be aware, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about on an average day, planning the day in advance the day before has been huge in terms of making sure that, that, that next day is productive. Uh, that's exactly. That's very, very helpful. I know we're coming up on time. There's two other questions I, I want to get in before we wrap here. One is a question that I ask every time, which is about your personal or professional lessons learned. So if you could give, you know, uh, a gold nugget or two, you've got, you've given plenty already, but if you could share a gold nugget or two with, with individuals like, like you and I, independent consultants who are wanting to create more autonomy and more freedom, what would you, what would you say to them? Uh. Yeah, because I did already talk about being very clear on what's important to you yeah. and being really defined about that because that really does that really does allow for t- financial freedom, time freedom, location freedom. That really does open the doors. Being very very clear about what's important to you. Yeah. So if I had to add um, add to that, I would say one thing that for me in the last couple of years has been you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So if you start thinking to yourself, I'm behind, or, you know, this didn't go according to plan, or this isn't how it's supposed to be, it's really going to rob you from being present. And you could almost imprison yourself in your current state. Um, So maybe, you know, things aren't where you are, um, where you want them to be financially. But remember, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And the universe, you know, I don't want to get too woo-woo, but the universe is conspiring for you. And you have to remind yourself, and I have to daily remind myself I'm just I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be you know and um and just do the next best thing 
Like if you are making progress every single day, again, you know, by having discipline and being able to say, okay, these are the, the, this is the most important thing, or this is what's moving the needle and doing those things every day, you are going to build success for yourself. You are going to build the business that you want. You're going to be able to help. You're going to have that impact in the world that you're wanting. And with that freedom, remembering what's important to you. I love it. I love it. I want to be sure that the folks who are listening and watching to this can be in touch with you. And obviously we'll put all your contact information in the show notes too. So if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on a podcast a platform, you can simply go to the show notes and all the information will be here. But if you would, uh, Renee, share it with everybody, uh, maybe 30 seconds about this Ticket to Freedom program that you've developed, which you were alluding to earlier about working with consultants and solopreneurs to help them um, liberate their time. And then if someone wants to get in touch with you and learn more about that program or, or, or potentially work with you, be sure to let us know how they can best get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. So the Ticket to Freedom program is, again, for solopreneurs who are looking to free up their time to have, you know, time freedom, location freedom, and financial freedom. And um, this is more of a done-for-you service. So this is where I really get, really get my hands dirty um, and treat treat my client's business like it's my business. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I'm that almost like I'm that first team member for them a lot of times um, at that table so that we can start opening up. Okay. Well, how do we want to uh, rearrange this business? So it's not a baby anymore and yeah. it's becoming an asset. And it's a lot of those early stages of systematizing the business, um, opening up a lot of doors that they might not have known were available to them. So that is ticket to freedom. It's something if you're, if you're, I know we talked about this a little bit on the previous call, um, looking to productize your, productize your business. That's basically what I'm doing with Ticket to Freedom. So if you want to watch me do it, um, you can follow me. I'm on Instagram. So you can catch me on Instagram. It's fancy underscore nomad. Um, or you can catch me on uh, LinkedIn as well. So Renee Latour app on LinkedIn. And either one of those, if you want to send me a direct message, like literally directly, feel free. And I'll respond You know, with any information or questions you have about Ticket to Freedom or questions you have about systems and or working remotely or anything like that. I'm happy to help. That is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, listen, Renee, thank you again for carving out the time and uh, hope you have a great evening in Cape Town. Um, yeah. Again, thank you so much. I'll look forward to our next conversation. Great. Great chatting with you, Scott. Appreciate it. For all of you watching and listening for Consulting with Authority, this is Scott Cantrell, as always, wishing you the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete the short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, Make sure you are consulting with authority.